Hello, everyone. Welcome back. Now, Casey, this has been a project of ours for quite some time. And today we are tackling mental health by popular demand. That's right. So, and actually, Jamil, before we talk about mental health, I want to give a shout out to some of our listeners who are not in the state of Connecticut. They're coming uh, to us from NC State. We heard uh, that folks in Res Life at NC State are using our podcast to generate conversations. Um, and I think maybe even do trainings. Yes. And this is a perfect example of how our content can be used, whether that's in your departmental trainings or to generate conversations in all your departments with students, with faculty, with staff. So hopefully our content is resonating with you all and you are finding it useful. Yeah. And, you know, shout out to our friends at NC State. We love y'all. Yes. And those of you, if there are, you know, listeners out there, if you are do already using this somehow in your world, share it with us. We definitely want to know, um, you know, how this is, is showing up for you. And if you're a listener and that didn't occur to you, we invite you to absolutely use this like a, what's like the podcast version of a book club. Hmm. All of that. Yes, programming. <laughs> programming. So share this, you know, share it with folks who you think, um, you know, could use it. Uh, it, it's a good uh, conversation starter. You know, we'll get the conversation started. You carry it out, um, you know, in your circles, in your world. So anyway, thank you all to NC State um, and reach out to us. We want to hear what you want to hear about, um, how it's going for you, how people are responding to the podcast. We love it. So in our conversation today, we discuss a lot of things. We have our friends who are coming on from the Counseling Services Department at our university talking about anxiety. Yeah, we talk a lot, you know, since the, I mean, college student mental health has been a problem since before the pandemic. And, you know, it's a, people are calling it like the twin pandemic um, along with the, the COVID-19 one. Uh, and folks really, we're not seeing, even with vaccines and all that, we're still seeing mental health struggles worsening we're not seeing those get better as we see the pandemic of COVID-19 getting better, but depression, stress, anxiety, um, suicidality, all of that stuff um, is something that's really um, still deeply impacting students. And, you know, if you're part of a university community right now, I mean, I'm sure you're seeing that in your classrooms and in your spaces. Yes, and as higher education professionals, that doesn't stop with students that can often extend to staff and faculty themselves. So we talk about ways in which anxiety may show up across our community and how can we work together to combat that? How can we support one another? How can you support your students who may be going through a difficult time during their undergrad or grad process? And we know for students that anxiety, depression, and other mental um, Disorders can really hurt a student's ability to show up in the classroom and be successful. And so hopefully in this episode, we are able to give you some tips and some tricks around how to combat this and really how to be happier in your environments um, and get the resources that a lot of our universities have. Yes, we love talking with Micah you know, it was sort of like a mental health session for both of us. You know, he lowered our, our blood pressure. So um, anyway, enjoy this conversation uh, with Michael. Wolf.
today, mental health. Mental health today and every day. Um, Micah, thank you for being here with us today. Um, Micah is a, a graduate student and intern um, here at SCSU. He's in counseling and school psychology, um, graduating in August, clinical mental health worker, seeing students on campus as a counselor in therapy sessions, has previously been an academic support coach um, and brings with him some really interesting perspectives. So Micah, welcome to Real Talk. We're glad to have Thank you. Thank you so much. This is very exciting to be here. So I'm thinking we'll start first where, what are some of your experiences you're having with students? What is this looking like? Um, and we can start the conversation kind of off there. Great. The experiences I'm having with students, suffice it to say, is wide ranging and um, to perhaps sound uh, like I'm embellishing here, but it's, it's awesome. It's all inspiring. Um, there's a lot of struggle and we'll talk about that surely. And there's also so much growth, insight, sensitivity, um, talent and strength. And there's just a lot of relationship um, and aliveness that I'm able to be privy to and kind of help develop with people. I was talking with my students today about this episode that we're recording and really realizing how much has changed in the conversation around mental health since I was in college 20 years mm -hmm. ago. Um, I was a mess mm -hmm. in a lot of different ways as you know, it's like developmentally a challenging time and also an amazing time yeah. um, for human beings. Um, but I, I can just see how I just had very little self-awareness you know, the sense of like, if you're struggling, it's, it's your fault. Mm. And that still exists, that kind of um, stigma, but just a growing conversation, which is why we're doing this, um, you know, this episode today to, to really continue to expand and normalize conversations around mental health and well-being. Yeah. That's really important. And it is really exciting to see in person and on social media the ever increasing awareness of and destigmatizing of the importance of mental health, of whole body health, of just, uh, again, community and relationship. That's a very refreshing way, I think, of viewing this. Um, you know, university can be a very transformative time in one's life. You know, you're some, for some folks, you're leaving home for the first time, you're moving in, living on campus, you're immersing yourself in the culture and a new culture possibly. You're also probably gonna have some new hurdles in your life that you may have not had previous. You may have financial hardships, you may have academic failures, you may have good times and bad times. I used to always talk about my undergrad experience being a roller coaster every day. One day you're up, next day you're down. It's like rolling with the punches and for some folks, uh, mental health, this may be the first time where they're struggling or even thinking about it. Yeah. And it might be the first time that they're seeing a need to actually reach out due to bad days that seem to go on for longer than we're used to or just additional, all these things you're mentioning, all, all, all these firsts, all these hurdles 
they can really add up quickly and we get winded and it can be embarrassing and take a lot of energy to, mm. to make an appointment or show up to counseling services or to even just mention to a friend, hey, I'm struggling, especially if we, speaking of maybe imposter syndrome and, and things that can be rampant everywhere uh, in many ages, all, all ages and all people, um, it's if, if we surround ourselves with support that can feel great and yet getting there is not always the easiest or most obvious path. Yes, but I know for some folks that go to our university and go to other universities, um, attending said university is the first time they may even have access to counseling. Yeah. The first time they may have access in their life True. to services. And also, they also may be in a place where they're away from their family and away from cultural stigma. Exactly. You know, especially mm -hmm. for marginalized groups. Um, folks are not jumping to go to therapy. There's a mistrust there culturally. And so mm. now they're in a place where they have access and maybe even some of that stigma is removed by their peers, by the staff, um, by the overall community encouraging mental health practices. Um, not just with counseling services, but with the services of the entire university. Yeah. Yeah, and I think about how, um, you know, student academic success and mental health well and well-being, I mean, those are like, inseparable like you can't expect a student to be academically successful if they are also unwell um and i just you know i talked to my students today and asked them for for any thoughts they wanted to share on the podcast and, and um, i want to read just a couple of these to you um so here's one student even though there's not one particular way a college student is supposed to act or look like i feel like i look like i'm not supposed to be in college at all and here's another one. I would say feeling like an imposter is a familiar feeling, especially in college. You have so many different types of people around you. So you sometimes feel as if you have to act a particular way around different people. I many times felt like I'm a high school student pretending to be in college. It feels as if everyone else is so far ahead of me and I'm behind pretending not to be. And then one more on the same thing. Yeah, this really, the question about this question about imposter syndrome really resonates um, with folks. Most of the places I go, I feel like an imposter since I moved to the United States. Because of my limited English, I feel like an imposter some places I go and even think I won't ever learn a high level of English. It can be, um, what I hear in, in this is, um, the potential for so much loneliness and isolation and difficulty and feeling just what we're trying to, I guess, do today, like normalized or a person who isn't alone and they're pretending. And when we're mm -hmm. faced with feeling alone, it's pretty hard to, um, what am I saying? open up or to do anything but kind of dig deeper into this hole away from these winds and uh, the screaming wind that can be bracing. There is too, you know, and I'm thinking particularly about, I guess, because I'm teaching in person this semester. So I'm thinking about that and that as a, as a social opportunity um, when we are coming together in the same physical space 
and also knowing that like here here we have a room full of people where everybody's feeling lonely or everybody's feeling a sense of being an imposter which actually sort of you know if we can really you know break through that and connect with each other um you know we're actually not imposters if everyone is feeling the exact same <laughs> way yeah you know and what an opportunity truly in terms of um dealing with this big you know societal problem that we have right now around social anxiety isolation and like any meaningful opportunity boy can it be scary because if you're going to change mm -hmm. that if you're going to be in a room that's previously a room full of people who are not together albeit literally they are together if you're going to change that to oh i see you and you see me that can require a leap of faith that can require a presence that can be really uncomfortable in us especially if it's unusual and uncultivated hmm. yeah something i think of is one of the biggest needs for college students is a sense of belonging and honestly for everyone in the community mm -hmm. is a sense of belonging, a, a sense of connection that you are wanted here, that if you are not here, folks will miss you. They will mm -hmm. recognize that you're not there. I mean, you feel like you're a part of something larger than yourself. That typically is what keeps people going to the same job every day, going to school every day is that sense of belonging. And it's something as people we all look for and we all thrive with. And imposter syndrome, um, I think can be unique, especially for folks that are marginalized. And I can think about the first time I felt that feeling, right? So I was coming to Southern, you know, straight out of Bridgeport um, from a straight public, you know, public education background. I probably wasn't the most academically prepared. And I walked into my first class. I had a philosophy class at late at night and I walked in, I was the only person of color and everyone's talking and I'm, figuring out I'm the only person from Bridgeport, the only person really from an urban town. There were all these different towns I've never even heard of in Connecticut, even though I've lived here my entire life. And everyone already seemed connected. It's almost as if they already knew each other, even though it was a first year class. And so immediately I felt out of place as if, oh, maybe I have somehow worked my way into this university and now everyone's going to think I'm a fraud because I can't academically perform. And maybe my peers know something I don't. Hmm. Well, guess what? They did not know anything that I did not, <laughs> I tell you that. Um, and some of the ways that I really got around that was taking up space, sitting in the front row and being vocal um, and being more social wow. and talking more is some of the ways that I was able to outgrow that very quickly. Um, because if I'm not supposed to be here, we're gonna have a great time while we're here at least. <laughs> it's kind of how I was working with it at the time. But I think so many students, especially for students where universities don't feel like a home for them, where their parents haven't been there, their siblings, they have no connection to this mm -hmm. experience yet. And they're embarking on this for the first time, um, may find themselves in that space, maybe more than once. And, you know, like we always point out in this podcast, you know, most students are not like you. <laughs> so, I mean, for those, like, and it still was something major for you to grapple with, right? That feeling of, of not belonging. And yet you were like 100% committed to 
Like you got the most out of this education of anyone I have ever known. You max it out. Very sweet. Yeah. You know, it's true. And there are a lot of people who are just um, more shy, more hesitant, perhaps have less of a support system. You know, a lot about like who you are as a person contributed, I think, to your ability to, to deal with that. And then I, so I'm always thinking about what about folks who are really just painfully shy and anxious um, or who would never sit in the front row or mm. who sort of shut down um, when they're faced with challenges? Honestly, I think the first thing that comes to my mind is peer support. And mm. I'm thinking a lot about my first year while I'm sitting here. And I think about my RAs at the time and the people that was on hall council and how they rallied floors and how they rallied people that were shy and included them in things. Mm -hmm. So when it's time to go sit in the dining hall, when it's time to do a study project, making sure that you're roping in everyone, especially younger students. And I remember my first semester being very much like that from older students, you know, being roped in and being talked to and being told about how does the university work? How does my classes work? Getting support on that end from my peers. I received a lot of support from my peers, especially my peers of color in the very beginning of my university experience. And I think that really helped me feel a sense of belonging very early on. Also joining clubs and orgs were super helpful. Yeah, and I think, you know, to Micah's point about how scary that can be to take a leap of faith, like that's one, you know, like we know that that joining a club or organization, doing meaningful work to you, we know that that'll make a positive difference in your mental health. And yet, you know, it is harder to do than it is to, you know, spend time looking at your phone or come home and watch Netflix. Like that is right there for us. Um, and, and, you know, we think it'll make us feel better and, and it doesn't in the way that, you know, more meaningful connections with people can. Yeah, I think there's not a one solution fix all to anxiety, to depression, to any kind of mental health problem we have going on. You know, it's not like you're going to join a club and all your problems will go away and you will somehow feel <laughs> magically better overnight. No. I think it's, you know, no, I don't think it's that simple, uh, especially depending on what you're going through at this time. Because I always remember telling students that, you know, your life doesn't stop in college. While you're in university, while you're taking classes, your life doesn't stop because the midterms are happening. Crises mm -hmm. don't stop. You know, you may have family members die in the middle of midterms. You may be facing a financial hardship in the middle of midterms and not be sure how you're going to pay next semester. I remember having semesters like that. Um, you may be going through all types of things. Your first breakup, you know, the first time you fell in class, and maybe you were a straight-age student in high school. There could be all different mm. kinds of stressors happening. Um, but that's why it's important to meet with folks that I would call your advocates. You know, that can be folks at the counseling services that can be maybe a faculty member that can be a, um, a peer like a ra or maybe um, an academic success coach it could be numerous people i think students should try to find a sounding board really early mm -hmm. um, and really lean on them and see what kind of guidance they can provide as they rough through the waters mm. 
that's that's I love that sight or that um, language roughing through the waters because it can feel insurmountable and like you're against so much momentum and cold and alone and painful like to that to that point about we can be painfully shy and shut down at challenges I'm thinking of a previous episode um, where KC were talking about teaching and feeling nervous for not only the first class, but all classes in the semester and how there, there's a real physical response there. And until we can really start to help ourselves by finding advocates and methods of means of support, there can be a lot of pain, quite literally. Yeah. And it can often feel like your fault. If this is all new, if people seem like they're doing things easily that take you a long time or a lot of effort to do, there can be a lot of just internalized anger, a lot of just internalized prejudice that we can flip out ourselves and just struggle to see how much we've really done to that imposter syndrome as well to get to this place to get to college is is significant and to face these questions it it it's all so so much it's so hard at every turn yeah i think so many folks um perceive maybe other students their peers to be doing so much better than them without realizing that maybe they're having just as hard as a journey you know just because that student seems like they're out there and they're really social and they have their academics and they're networking and all these different things together and maybe you feel like you're not in a similar place, doesn't necessarily mean that that student feels complete as well. And when you're going through, especially your undergrad, I think it's so important to realize that you're on your own track that cannot be compared to other people's. Your track may take you five, six years to graduate. Your track may take you a gap year. Your track may take you from living on campus to commuting to back on campus. There are so many different ways that your university experience can be unique to you. Maybe you transferred from three different universities previous. There's so many different aspects that go into what makes your experience unique. And when you start comparing it to the success of your peers, you shortchange yourself. And it's so natural. That's how we learn yeah. by observing others. And it just fits, of course. It, it all plays into that feeling of lost. If, if others seem to know what they're doing and you're worried about being exposed as a fraud, that's, that's an that's a ongoing struggle. It, can be, it truly can be an ongoing struggle. Um, and you know, there's a pair of support groups you know, all throughout universities across the country. There is different resources. There's different talks online. But honestly, truly, I think it's just something you have to work through every day. It's part of the part of the battle. And I think as we're battling, as we're waking up and facing that day and that struggle, we might see after some time, some unexpected changes, progress, just things that we might not have expected, some maybe easiness or some new, not only cognitive insights, but feelings in our body. 
levels of acceptance to the hurt and the pain and new levels of connection and excitement and interest and engagement. And, you know, from my experience, university can really shape you, especially when it comes to your mental health. And you can actually grow tremendously without realizing, you know, what I, what I noticed is every semester when a new semester started, I kind of felt the same, maybe a little different, but the same. And my family would tell me, no, you're, you're so different. Like you're growing so different to the point where I didn't have never really realized because I was experiencing it. But you know, you have students that are coming in potentially with past traumas, with baggage, with things they have experienced, coming into this space, having new experiences, but through the support of their community, be able to heal and grow from them and walk out the other side, a better person. So there is always a upside mm. to the work you're putting in. Um, working on your mental health can be a hard job, but it's an extremely important job. You can't be a rock star student. You can't nail that internship without your peace of mind. My mom used to always tell me, you can't put a price on peace <laughs> of mind. And I, I know what she's talking about mm. now. <laughs> Micah, I wonder, you know, as we wrap our interview up, if, you know, you've been here for a couple years and in, in a few different roles, and I really appreciate your attention to and focus on the body in these conversations about mental health, because a lot of times, you know, universities traditionally haven't particularly considered the body, you know, it's about like you're a scholar, which is the life of the mind and your mental health that's up in your mind mm -hmm. but i wonder how what you think you know whether like students um faculty in the classroom spaces on campus how can we what are some things that that we can do depending on where we are to better support um you know students body mind and yeah. spirit and each other i shouldn't say just yeah. students you know everyone. i love that and i'm gonna kind of um fuse that question or my answer to that with what Jamil was just saying about walking through, I'm not sure, walking through the door, walking to the other side of the experience. We are the people who do have to do the walking, each one of us in our own journey. And yet, boy, can we not do that alone? And have we only gotten here on the shoulders of those before us? Um, I think it's... Um, helpful to remember I, I i when i was joining this program that i'm in um the clinical mental health counseling track at southern previously counseling had been described as empowering a client and recently it's changed to helping a client empower themselves and there's a small shift there but it's a pretty critical one in that we need community and support and we also are the people showing up as well. Um, so how can we be a support to others? I think to maybe be a little obvious, we have to be that support to ourselves. get sleep, drink water, learn as you can intuitive approaches to ways to nourish yourself with food and outdoors and notice with gentle open-minded curiosity as much as you can what it's like to look someone in the eyes without expectation that might be impossible 
notice thoughts that accompany such moments, maybe thoughts like, oh, no, they're staring at me, or oh, no, they think I'm staring at them, or I, I look this way, or, or there's a, always thoughts. And yet, there can also be openness, a parallel track in that experience. And in helping people find support or feel support, just to feel seen, there can be assistance in helping ourselves see people in the first place, see ourselves in the first mm -hmm. place, have this space and openness and curiosity and just warmth, just warmth that allows for someone to be seen in the first place. So there's institutional and larger systemic needs to help support and provide equity to institutions of higher learning as well as many other areas. And on this more personal micro level, there can be a lot of adaptation and experimentation and play with just how to be available to a person, including ourselves. Hmm. And even how you're talking about the body, I'm thinking about holistic, like treating your holistic self and not just your mental health, you know, and that could be through many things, you know, maybe getting a fitness program with, you know, your university gym and going on the treadmill for an hour a day. It could be, you know, making sure you're eating three meals a day. So many students work multiple jobs yeah. and they have classes and they have internships where they may be skipping meals to catch up on time and the toll that may take on your mental health. Um, so making sure you're feeding your body so you can feed your mind, yeah. making sure you're working on your body so you can feel good about yourself. You, feel, you can feel clearer. You can have some more peace, maybe even dabbling in meditation mm. or some of the other more practices that your university may offer that typically tends to be people on campus that puts on yoga events sometimes or mm -hmm. um, full body scans, which can be really relaxing. Yeah. There's so many ways to work on your mental health um, that students may not be thinking about, but can make dra drastic differences. Oh my gosh. I love what you're saying. There are so many surprisingly small things that can provide drastic differences. I would like to also just maybe caution is too strong a word, but be in the corner of all of these people listening who might want this promised clarity and peace and find it really hard to get to maybe to a place of eating three square meals a day, or maybe getting caught up in, oh, I should do these things, go outside, exercise, mm -hmm. sleep well, reach out to friends, not isolate, I should, I should, I should. Shoulds can sometimes really bring a lot of expectations and added hardship. And if there's any ability to have any kind of just compassion for the effort that we're putting forward as is, that's awesome. I think living intuitively is, mm -hmm. is a, a gentle and wise approach. And that doesn't always mean that life is going to remain gentle. But that approach is, I think, often a, again, like an adaptable, always adapting and holistic kind of approach. Yes, that progress looks unique yeah. to one's own self. It does. What one person's doing to improve their mental health will look drastically different from you. What the major step for you will look completely different from somebody else. 
it can look very small to someone else, but be a major step in the right direction for you. Yeah. I think it's about customizing, you know, how you want to improve um, what's happening. Yeah. And taking it day by day, yeah, it, heavy on the day by day. Yes, yes. And the that piece of having a little bit of, of space and some compassion for yourself and curiosity, um, because I think I've been certainly the person who like you can should yourself yep. to death. I mean, and just beat up on yourself for not doing the thing you know you're yep. supposed to do. Um, and that can just stop you all together. Exactly. So I, sometimes like whatever it is, drinking enough water, you know, small things. I know that, you know, Jamil and I both, especially lately, I mean, I don't know if I should talk about our personal business, but we both have had trouble sleeping. And, you know, Jamil will say like, Casey, wow, you are stressed or you're cranky. And it's, if I look at the actual like conditions of my life, things are, things are good. Things are manageable. Things are exciting. And I know that like, I haven't gotten good sleep for three nights in a row. And that's where that comes from. So if I can address that sleep piece, all of a sudden everything else becomes easier, you know? It's so... So it's not necessarily always about adding more. Yes. And I'm not going to lie. Sometimes things just feel better in community. You know, you can't sleep. Like you didn't sleep. We should can't sleep together. <laughs> you know, having a person to yeah. talk with, to relate to, to deal with your mental health with at the same time, which possibly can be overwhelming, but if it's doable, can be really healing for a person and feel like you're not alone. So having a friend on your journey or multiple friends on that journey with you can be um, a benefit at times. Yeah. And I think to grow is to, is to shed skin and have raw surfaces and there can be vulnerability and pain and discomfort. And part of the process coming to counseling or just, I think as a person is I think learning to, distract and heal and self-soothe despite these basically guaranteed discomforts and difficulties in life. And we can also ride the wave, so to speak, and live into and through these difficulties as well. It's, it's helpful to learn ways to, to survive them. And it's, it's, it's a place where we can also play and go further than that and really live as embodied as possible in a world that has a lot of suffering. Self-soothe. That's a wonderful way of putting mm. it. Mm, that's, a, that's a really lovely way of putting it. That's very yeah. realistic. Self-soothe. Mike, I just thank you so much for being here with us today. I actually, I literally feel like my blood pressure is lower after spending time with you. And I usually, and I can tell you know, it's like more relaxed too, but we usually sort of, you know, recording episodes, it, it's sort of uh, anxiety producing in a lot of ways, but I, I truly like your presence. I can see that you would be very good at your job because I can, I can feel that even just from recording this with you. So thank you. Thank you so much for saying that. I love hearing that. And to, to show you, to self-disclose, um, just how typical your experience probably is, as soon as we were talking for a moment, and as soon as that record 321 showed up on this screen, my heart rate increased and my blood pressure mm. increased. I was very aware yep. of that. It's just so human. 
these are the inevitable things that we're riding and running and moving mm-hmm. through and with alongside into. This is lovely. This is Casey. You're right. This feels <laughs> like the most relaxed episode. Oh, <laughs> Yes. Uh, yes. You have like the perfect voice for narration, you Thank know? You. I feel like an audiobook. Yes. Thanks, Micah. Uh, so this has been great. You're so welcome. A real honor and privilege and pleasure to be here. All right, Jamil. So for the ending note for this episode, you haven't actually heard this clip yet, but Nylon Shell, who was the uh really the inspiration for this episode and in, in you know others on mental health. Uh, she sent in a clip that I think is a really nice note to end our our conversation on today. So you're the one who's going to hit, hit play, but this is something you're hearing for the first time, her words for us. It is. Well, let's listen. I just wanted to share a message of hope. This message is for everyone listening, but I need to remind myself of this truth. Be okay with not being okay. Forgive yourself and realize whatever is happening, you will be all right. It's the little mantra I like to tell myself is, I am all right, I am okay. And sometimes I I laugh when I say it because it doesn't feel honest or true. However, this feeling of, of being well and all right may just be a moment when I'm cooking my favorite meal or finishing my last exam for a semester. And this moment can only last a minute, but it's a break in whatever is happening for you. If you collect enough okay moments in your day, you have a good day and a few good days turn into a week. A good week, a few good those weeks turn into a month. And it's easy to say all these things, right? Um, Easier to say it removed from what's, what's really happening. But trust me when I say I have had the best of times and the worst of times, and I speak from true experience, understanding, and knowing. One final thought I want to share, it's actually a quote. I have sticked onto my mirror with a post-it that no matter what happens... The sun will rise in the morning. That's from uh, President Barack Obama, not me. (laughs) But these words still ring true for me. No matter what happens, how you're feeling, what's going on, know that you're not alone. And the sun is faithful and will always rise in the morning. And that is the whole clip. Doesn't it sound like she's auditioning for a podcast host? I mean, I could just listen to her or like a a meditation tape. I love it. Mm. Well, I, I, I think what she's saying rings true, right? You know, taking things day by day, focusing on the good over the bad moments of a day, you know, practicing stillness, mm. trying to do things that are within your control. Yeah, I'm often grateful too for the reset of another day it's like sometimes you just need to go to sleep and another day is another day another day is another day yeah all right well to be continued conversations about mental health 
Um, so thank you to Nai Shao. Thanks to Micah. Um, thanks always to you, Jamil, of course. Well, thank you to you as well. <laughs> but before we go, we yeah, did want to say, if you're at our university or you're at your university, I'm sure there are resources for you. Ours are the counseling services. We're, we're talking the Wellness Center. We're talking the Disability Resource Center. We're talking Dean of Students. There are plenty of resources at our university, and I suggest looking for them at yours. In addition to that, if you are struggling with mental health, um, the suicide hotline, the National Suicide Hotline number is 800-273-8255. Yes, and if you enjoyed this conversation, and we hope you did, um, you can follow us on social media, Instagram at Real Talk Higher Ed, also on Twitter. Follow us on, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, rate, review. We want to hear from you. Bye.